The Scotiabank Women Initiative is a signature program designed to increase economic opportunity for individuals who identify as women or non-binary to be successful now and in the future. This unique offering helps women pursue their best professional and financial futures by providing unbiased access to capital and tailored solutions, bespoke specialized education, holistic advisory services, and mentorship. For more information, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Welcome to the Startup Women Podcast, a show where we connect you, Canada's powerful cohort of women-identifying founders, to real stories and case studies of women building businesses, supported by true, tactical advice from thought leaders and industry experts. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO of Startup Canada. Each month, I'll be sharing the mic with one founder and one expert. Together, we will dive into real stories and scenarios and uncover actionable advice for women entrepreneurs across Canada. From funding and hiring to sales and scaling strategies, on this show, we cover the most important topics so you can deconstruct the challenges of starting and running a business with knowledge that goes beyond the surface level. Let's get started. Startup Canada's head office, located in Ottawa, is situated on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe Nation. Startup Canada recognizes the inherent and treaty rights of Indigenous peoples. We acknowledge the ancestral and unceded territories of First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. The Startup Women Advocacy Network, SWAN, is a curated group of women-identifying early-stage entrepreneurs who advocate and champion the needs of women entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast. Joey's Fishing is the number one deep-sea fishing provider in Prince Edward Island, with daily tours over the summer to show visitors to the island more of what the North Shore has to offer. Julianne is the co-owner of Joey's Deep Sea Fishing, a business that her father started in 1978. Julianne loves sharing Prince Edward Island's unique qualities through her business and her volunteer work in her local regional tourism association. We're proud to have her as our Prince Edward Island Swan representative. To learn more, visit joeysfishing.com. Les Soins de Minia is a brand of skincare products for sensitive, very dry skin and even with mild eczema tendency for all family members. Mania's mission is to help improve skin health from an early age with premium ingredients. Sophia Hassani, CEO and founder of Les Soins de Mania, has created a safe and effective skincare line for all because of her experience with her baby son's skin problems. She found that there are too many toxic substances in baby products. With eight years of professional experience in chemistry, Sophia combines her know-how in chemistry and natural ingredients to offer products that respect health and environment. We're thrilled to have her as our Quebec Swan representative. To learn more, visit soindemenea.com. Visit www.startupcan.ca and head over to the Explore tab. Under Startup Women, you'll find more information about the Advocacy Network and the incredible work of these amazing founders. Welcome to the Startup Women podcast. On the show today, we are thrilled to have Chris and Melissa. Chris McMartin is our topic expert. Chris leads the Scotiabank Women Initiative Small Business Strategy across Canada. In this role, Chris is committed to building a program that helps women 
overcome the challenges they face on their path to success when starting, sustaining, and growing a business. Chris leads many national events and partnerships, such as the Masterclass Series, the IWD She Shoots, She Scores, Strike Up Virtual Conference, and the Mentorship Program. You know, a lot of us automatically assume that having those financial discussions, whether we're talking about a bank account, a business loan, a, you know, a business plan, our our wealth, uh, whatever it is, have to be tough, difficult, stressful conversations. And they don't have to be. They don't have to be. Melissa Houston is our featured founder. Melissa is the author of Cash Confident, an entrepreneur's guide to creating a profitable business. Melissa is passionate about helping business owners optimize the profit of their businesses so they can keep more money in their pockets. Melissa is a CPA with over two decades of experience and loves to share her knowledge. Melissa is a regular contributor to Forbes.com and the founder of She Means Profit, which they blog and podcast. There hasn't been a client that I've worked with yet who hasn't felt embarrassed or ashamed that they didn't know about their business finances better. And I really try to open that space and say, hey, where would you have learned this? Nobody's talking about it. Nobody teaches it in schools. Like you entrepreneurs go into business because they're passionate about what they do. They're not passionate about reading financial reports and stuff like that. That stuff comes later. Welcome to the show, Chris and Melissa. Thank you so much, Kayla. Hi, Kayla. I am so excited about this this today's episode. Um, and thank you both so much for, for taking the time to be with us on the Startup Women podcast today. Well, thank you for having us. Chris, we're going to kick things off with you. Can you walk us through your career? Give us a little bit of a perspective um, and the time that you've spent working with and supporting entrepreneurs. You've covered so many different initiatives. What is your current role at Scotiabank, Scotiabank's Women's Initiative? Um, walk us through that career journey a little bit. Sure, I would love to. So I, I have had the great pleasure to be with uh, Scotiabank for 15 years now. And I started off uh, in the branch world where I was uh, a financial advisor. Back then we were called PBOs, personal banking officers. That's where I started out. Uh, I, I then moved over into a small business advisory role. And this is where I really discovered my passion of working with entrepreneurs. So I, I got to work with so many entrepreneurs uh, of all different segments, all different industries, and uh, just really enjoyed the impact that I was able to make and the relationships that I was able to build in, in that role. Um, it, it's just a phenomenal role that, that the bank has. And uh, a- after that, I thought, you know, I'd love to take on some, uh, more of a leadership role. And so um, I became an assistant manager at a large branch and then a branch manager at a, a little bit of a smaller branch, which I will tell you is is often a, a bigger challenge than the larger branches because you, you jack of all trades comes to mind when, when you're a branch manager with a small but mighty team. Uh, and after that, I got to become a small business development manager. I really missed having that ingrained relationship with entrepreneurs. And so I got to jump back into the small business world uh, and work with a team of small business advisors, helping coach them and develop those relationships with their entrepreneur clients. So, um, you know, really discovered that, yep, small businesses where I love to be. And so got to do that and got to do that. I say all the time, I got to do that for three years, but two of those years were through the pandemic. So like 25 years experience at least, right? Because anyone who did anything through the pandemic, especially dealing with small businesses and entrepreneurs, 
the, you know, the inspiration that came with dealing with small businesses through the pandemic was, you know, matched to none for sure, for sure. So I do joke all the time that I've got, you know, 25 years experience of pandemic life. So, and through that, I was a champion of the Scotiabank Women Initiative right from day one. When uh, Scotiabank came out with this initiative, I, I just couldn't have been more excited to be involved in, in, in a corporation that was doing such wonderful things um, and, and really getting the opportunity to champion for women entrepreneurs. And then two years ago, I was lucky enough to take on my role that I'm in now as uh, the national lead for the small business segment of the Scotiabank Women Initiative. And, and really what that means is I get to continue working not only with our entrepreneurs, which is rewarding in itself, but I also get to work with the small business advisors who are working with those entrepreneurs and really helping them understand the tools and resources that we're offering through the initiative and really helping them bring those tools and resources to their clients. Just just on top of all the advice and the relationships that they're building with those entrepreneur clients that they have. Amazing. And many of our listeners will be very familiar with the Scotiabank Women Initiative as a presenting partner of both this podcast and a great partner to a number of Startup Canada programs. For those that might be slightly less familiar, Chris, could you give us a quick few lines on what the Scotiabank Women Initiative is. Absolutely. So I, I always say right from the beginning that the two most important things to, to remember about the Scotiabank Women Initiative is we bring the tools and resources to entrepreneurs that they're looking for, and we bring a community. So there is nothing more impactful than a community of entrepreneurs. If you've ever gotten the opportunity to be in a room, which I'm sure that most of your listeners have, with entrepreneurs, the energy, the vibe, the inspiration is beyond. It, it's just, it's unexplainable. And so we bring this community of like-minded individuals together and really listen to what their challenges are. And we're trying to help improve those challenges and bring tools and resources to make their every day easier. Mm, I love that, Chris. And I can definitely attest to that spirit of support coming from your entire team uh, with our longstanding partnership. So thanks for all the work that you do on that side. Melissa, over to you. Let's learn about your story as an entrepreneur. You're a speaker, a recent author as well. Take us back to the beginning. Yeah. So I um, have been a CPA for over 20 years and I knew back Oh, decades ago that I wanted when I was going to go into business for myself, I was going to go in there to help entrepreneurs and business owners understand the profitability of their business. So three years ago, just as the pandemic hit is when I started She Means Profit. And I am focused on helping entrepreneurs optimize the profit in their business so that they can make more money in their business and stay in business for the long term. Because 82% of businesses fail due to financial mismanagement. And I want to help decrease that statistic through offering business financial literacy skills. Wow. 82%. I, that's a pretty sobering stat. Yeah. Very high. Goodness. Very high. Goodness. Well, hopefully through today's conversation, we'll talk lots of resources, lots of tools, um, but also hold space for um, you know, the emotion around money as well. Money is very complicated. And as a small business owner, an aspiring startup, 
um, you know, anyone that is starting their own venture, this is a mission critical space to be both comfortable and feel like you understand the pathway forward that that's really going to support the type of growth that you want. So this is a very, very important topic for many of our founders. So we're going to talk a little bit, um, obviously around the specific tools, um, Chris, that, that your team has as well. Uh, but Melissa, I'd love to get a better understanding of your network. Growing your network really helped you expand across Canada, grow your business. Um, was it easy for you to identify, you know, who to talk to in your network as you were starting out, what you needed in that business model in your actual entrepreneur journey? How did that network expand for you? Yeah, it's funny because my actual entrepreneurial journey started out mostly in the U.S. because really initially right from the get-go, I got um, a column with Forbes.com. So I ended up meeting with a lot of entrepreneurs in, in the U S and would cover stories for them and stuff. But I was like, I know Canada has so many great entrepreneurs. And I know that because I've worked in the industry, I have worked with these entrepreneurs and I wanted to find them and cover their stories, help elevate, especially women in business doing what they're doing and, you know, help showcase them, give them, give them that light to shine on them. And, um, it was really difficult at first to find these people, right? And then uh, when I met Scotiabank Women's Initiative, I bluntly asked, hey, how do I get involved? And that's how I got introduced to Chris, who is absolutely amazing. And she brings so much energy to the program and gets people together and excited. And she has been an integral part of my Canadian network. It's unreal, the connections she makes and the enthusiasm she approaches everything with. Thank you, Melissa. Very, very kind. I think that with that goes back and forth, though. Melissa and I have have helped each other along the journey, and uh, she's done so much for the Scotiabank Women Initiative, and she is always in. I love that. Anytime I reach out to Melissa and say, entrepreneurs need to hear about money mindset, and I know you're the one to talk about it, and she's on it. She's on it, always. And I appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, this, this is great. We can just end the podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> of each other. That's fabulous. <laughs> That's great. And so Melissa, before you got connected to Chris and before these resources through Scotiabank's Women Initiative were shared with you, what tools were you seeking out? What were you looking for? And where did you find some of those resources at the beginning of your journey? Well, I mean, I would I would network with absolutely anyone Canadian that I could possibly network with. And then I would do a lot of research myself, right? Um, get involved into, you know, community. It was very difficult at first because of the pandemic. So getting into the room with entrepreneurs was difficult, but I would just cold call, reach out, say, hey, you know, I've seen you. I like what you're doing. Do you want to meet? And Every time a pitch came through my email that was Canadian, I would always give it extra attention, right? Because I'm like, if they're doing great things in Canada, I want the world to know about it. I love that. And and with the networking, which type of founders were you networking with? Like, are there any sort of standout relationships that you were able to build um, through this community? Um, I've definitely worked with a lot of tech companies um, and basically I'm not particular about the type of founders that I work with, right? It's more like I get excited about the change in the world that they're bringing and how they're making a difference and how their finances have helped them make a difference. Because I really want to bring the educational aspect back to finances because it is such a core um, success factor for business owners, but many of them aren't talking about it enough and don't realize it enough, right? And I recently read a um, 
uh, a study that a company had put out where they're saying that, you know, um, in hindsight, when entrepreneurs look back at what they wish they knew then as to what they know now, 29% of them are saying that they wish they had known more about business financial literacy. I feel like that number is probably even higher. Maybe that's even... (laughs) It's probably higher, but those could have been the businesses that succeeded, right? Because unfortunately, there's a very high failure rate. Agreed. And I, I think it's it's one of those things that, at least in a lot of the conversations I have with founders, there's almost this insecurity there that I don't want to admit that I might not be comfortable or feel very literate around my finances. Um, and, and that's a hard conversation to broach. How do you sort of build these comfortable spaces where any founder can come in and say, I really don't understand this part or what is a P&L or what, you know, uh, what type of relationship should I even be seeking from my financial institution? Um, there's so many question marks. And, and to the extent that we can demystify that, create those safer spaces, then that's a great foundation that these ventures are then being built on, uh, which is going to support everybody that is along that journey with them. Absolutely. And Kayla, I love that you brought that up because there hasn't been a client that I've worked with yet who hasn't felt embarrassed or ashamed that they didn't know about their business finances better. And I really try to open that space and say, hey, where would you have learned this? Nobody's talking about it. Nobody teaches it in schools. Like you entrepreneurs go into business because they're passionate about what they do. They're not passionate about reading financial reports and stuff like that. That stuff comes later. So, you know, just being willing to take that first step and say, Hey, I need help. That is just so important. Mm, Agreed. And in those conversations that you have, Chris, with, with women um, across the country, what, what are the key things that are connecting them? What are some of those challenges um, that you see these women and non-binary folks as well? What are they all facing? Um, and how, how is Scotiabank really meeting those needs and those demands in real time? Absolutely. So I think that one of the biggest things, and, and we were just speaking about it, is really, you know, uh, demystifying who it is you should be speaking to, why it's okay to have those conversations, who those experts are, who you should be asking the questions to. So I I really have to give kudos. We have this team of small business advisors across the country that are just impeccable at what they do. But one of the things that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand is the extent to which those advisors can help with their business. So I think a lot of the time that entrepreneurs assume that you go to the bank when you need to open your account and you go to the bank when you owe something on something, right? You're like, I owe money. I got to go talk to the bank. And I go to the bank when I need to get a loan. But I don't know that they understand the depth to which our advisors are prepared to assist them with their business finances in the sense that they have the knowledge and the expertise to be able to have full-fledged conversations about their financial statements, to talk to them about their business plan and building their business plan, whether that's at the beginning or when they're pivoting at, at some point in their business, that we have you know, wealth advisors, uh, private bankers, uh, you know, to when they're planning their succession planning, maybe they're passing on their business, maybe they're whatever it might be. We have the experts here at the bank that can walk them through those stages and be their experts on their team. And I think that that's one of those, you know, mysteries out there that we were talking about that entrepreneurs think that we do these, you know, five transactional items 
at the bank. And so I really like to spend a lot of time speaking about the amazing advisors at all different levels that we have at the bank that are here to be that expert for you and that you don't have to be that expert. We, we will help you along the way and we will really guide you. And there's no embarrassment needed because like Melissa said, we see the passion you have for whatever your business is. And we see that that's where you're the expert. So let us be the expert or let us bring the expert to the table for you through our network. And may I add, that's one thing that I've really appreciated with the Scotiabank Women's Initiative. Not only have they helped me with the networking and stuff, but when I needed money, um, you know, because businesses are cash cows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will exactly. just suck the money out of you. When I needed money, I was directed to a Scotiabank business, business advisor who has helped me tremendously. So, I mean, I'm, I always shamelessly plug Scotiabank because I've been a longtime customer and my personal, um, advisor for my like personal finance side Rita I always give Rita a shout out because she's absolutely amazing so helpful (laughs) and I just I've really enjoyed being a client there and Chris do you find or, or do you have any um sort of lived experiences at the bank in the dynamics that are different with women and non-binary folks coming to financial institutions versus potentially a male counterpart. When we talk about women's financial literacy and comfort, are we seeing additional hurdles and barriers in those conversations? So I think that we do see different. I'm going to say different because I often get asked is, uh, you know, do I believe that women entrepreneurs or women in general have more barriers I don't want to say more because I think mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur, regardless of how, how, what gender you identify as, I think there are barriers. I, I, I don't think that that's unique to women. However, I think they're different. So I, I think that what we're doing with the Scotiabank Women Initiative is saying, let us be experts in these barriers and let us really deep dive and discover what the barriers are that they're facing. And in those conversations, that is how we built the pillars that the program stands on, right? We went to the women entrepreneurs and said, what are the barriers? What do you find is the issue? Where do you need the opportunity? Where can we help make the gap smaller? And so that's where we built the three pillars of the program, being access to capital, that we hear screaming from the mountaintops from all the entrepreneurs we talk to, access to capital is a barrier. And that is something we've made one of our pillars to try and assist with. Another being our mentorship, which we have an amazing mentorship program that we've put into place. We work with the forum who manages our mentorship program. They're an incredible company who is doing a phenomenal job with our mentors and mentees. So that's another one we heard is that we need mentors. We need these experts to be able to guide us along the path in where we have those gap areas that we're not the expert in, but we just need some guidance. And then we have our specialized education. And to me, I mean, that sounds like one simple pillar, but really that is everything else. So that is all the podcasts like this, the podcast, the webinars, the in-person workshops, the boot camps, the, and again, what we're doing is we're asking our entrepreneurs that are part of the program, what do you need to know? Who do you want to hear from? 
What do you want to become more familiar with? Who do you want to ask questions to? Let us give you that network. Let us provide you that education, that information, and let us help you make that gap smaller. It's it's so important. And I love that the the strategy around this is also so it's also so rooted in partnership. That, you know, the forum is such an incredible organization. We've had Paulina join us on the podcast, yes. many forum um, entrepreneurs. Uh, but tapping into existing communities, supporting them through existing audiences and coming together. Um, in a true partnership fashion, that's, I think, the power of also uh, specialized women's support in general and creating these safe spaces that are safe spaces within safe spaces within safe spaces, Absolutely. right? Um, it's such an incredible network. And, uh, and I know with many of the programs through the forum as well, this financial literacy um, element is so critical and, and they create really incredible programs um, um, through that initiative. So we'll definitely pop those in the notes as well for those that are interested in that initiative. Fantastic. And so on, on these three pillars, so you've mentioned um, access to capital, bespoke specialized education, and then this sort of holistic advisory service mentorship space. Um, are there any sort of double clicks on those those initiatives or areas that you would really recommend for founders uh, to reach out to, maybe some specific adva- examples of topics or mentors that they might be able to access. Um, is there any other uh, detailed info on, on those pillars? You want yeah. To so a couple of things I'd really like to bring to light. One, let me talk about our mentorship program just for a moment, specifically because a question that I hear all the time is, oh, you're just going to match me up with, you know, a banker like with a Scotia banker, because I have my advisor. So I don't, I don't need that. I want to point out that no, that's not the case, right? So we're like you said, we're working with the forum, they have mastered mentorship, right? So what they're doing is they're actually you're you're taking the time I, I always warn everyone and I've done this even when I was advisor at the bank application process is painful and it's not truly painful, but, but the more time you take, the more time you put in to put all those details and answer all those questions, it that's, that's coming back to you, right? In value. So you do when you register for the program. So to our participants, this program is a free program. If you are a participant in the Scotiabank Women Initiative, there is no cost to signing up for the mentorship program. But you do go through an extensive registration document where it's going to ask you all the finer details about your business, about your challenges, about the gaps you feel that you have, the things you want to improve on the things you want to work on over time. The other thing that's wonderful about our mentorship program is then once you're paired and and there's a process, you do get a selection. We'll give you, here's our suggestions. Here's some, some mentors we suggest, but you get to make the final decision that here's who I'd like to be mentoring with. These mentors are, you know, professional leaders, entrepreneurs, they, they're not Scotiabankers. Not that there's anything wrong with Scotiabankers, but I understand the question when I get it, right? So, so I just I like to make that very clear that these are these are, you know, individuals who have walked in the path that you're hoping to walk. And so I think that's important to note. The other thing I think is absolutely amazing is that it's a long-term mentorship program. So once you've been paired with your mentor, you work with that mentor on a monthly basis for 12 months. So you get to actually deep dive into those barriers you're speaking of, those challenges you're having, and really strategize on a plan and really discuss outcomes and results of what you're working on. So I think that that's just incredible. 
um, that you get to continue that education with that mentor and see success from it with that mentor. That's great. And to, uh, there's actually a great additional resource to that, which was another Startup Women episode. It was actually our first that we launched with this new format of, of Startup Women, and it was on mentorship. How do you actually get the most out of that dynamic? And we had Paulina, the CEO of the forum, and we had um, Karen from Bloom talk about both sides of that coin. How do you identify um, the types of perspectives that you're really looking to get? How are you respectful of that exchange? Uh, because mentorship, it's often such a, a key piece of advice that you get, you know, find a mentor, uh, you know, build that relationship. Where do you even start? Um, that's a, a daunting prospect when you don't have a system to plug into. So this initiative, I think, is such a great uh, space to just really dive right into a structured initiative. You get that personalized one-on-one -on -one advice, um, the accountability piece. I love that you mentioned that as well, Chris, that somebody is going to be following up with you and you have somebody um, that is is potentially not a board member or somebody that has a vested you know, stake in the That's game. That's it. Um, it does build the accountability, which is such an important part of that dynamic. Absolutely. And then you just get a great champion in the process who gets nice and invested in your business in other ways. Uh, but yeah, mentorship is something we're definitely very, very passionate about here. Um, so Melissa, for you, what, um, what types of programs like this have really helped accelerate both your entrepreneurship journey and maybe of those that, that, uh, of the founders that you've worked with? What was your experience uh, like having the Women Initiative you know, on your side and, and having this to tap into? When have you gone to seek that support most and, and when did you see that really shine? What really has helped me is the networking ability, right? So once you get introduced through Scotiabank Women's Initiative, it's like the doors open and people are more willing to speak with you. And that allows me to reach so many more entrepreneurs and business owners just so I can let them know that, hey, you know, you need to know about your business finances and I'm here to help you with that. And I have tons of free information that you can use to, to do that. So it's helped not only me getting the message out, but to the people that are receiving the message, there's the podcast that they can listen to. There's the blog post that they can read. There's tons of information out there that they can get their hands on without having to, to pay extra money for coaching and training if they're not ready for it yet, right? Because business financial literacy, everybody needs to have access to that. So it's just... Um, what is that saying? It's just, it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's right. And with, um, with all of this, I feel like we've covered a lot of resources, we've covered tools. Now founders know they can access all these different supports, which is great. The door is now open to every single one of our listeners <laughs> through this chat. Um, but I'd like to take things even maybe a few steps back in, um, in this money mindset space and understanding where we're coming from when we're talking about money um, and just helping our listeners sort of enter into that conversation um, and potentially understand the perspectives of, you know, a financial institution or, or how other people that are way more comfortable with money, how are they approaching things? So maybe I'll start with you, Melissa, because you've mentioned this uh, already at the beginning. What do you think... Um, women entrepreneurs or, or some of your clients, what is the mindset that they have around money that is either helpful 
or not helpful as they're starting their business. Let's start there. Yeah, I, I love know, that you're bringing this up because automatically assume that having those financial discussions, whether we're talking and about business owners a bank have to be account, in that a business loan, positive a, money mindset, you know, a business plan to be successful. Our, our wealth, and uh, whatever it is, I'm amazed with the amount of women tough, who are being held back in their mindset where they're like, well, I only don't need to make to as much money as I need they to don't live. have to be. And I always challenge that, right? Because I'm like, why are why are you feeling that you can't make more than that? You know, there's definitely some self worth tied to it. Women have been messaged for years and years that you know, money, you know, is greedy. Wanting to have a lot of money is greedy. People won't like you if you're rich. You know, all sorts of things like that. And I believe that every business owner is in a unique position to build their wealth, but you have to be ready to receive it, right? So being in that positive money mindset allows you to see what's possible for yourself. It's a, it allows you to create those big financial dreams that you truly want for yourself, but you don't have the courage to claim. And it's not that you want to build, um, you know, like a riches, like money, 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 and get greedy about it. What it is, is money opens up a lot of opportunities for people. And there's a lot of good that can be done with money. Not every rich person, it's actually probably in the very small minority where rich people are jerks, right? And my 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 opinion to that is if you're a jerk when you're poor, you're going to be a jerk when you're rich. Yeah. It's not going to change, right? <laughs> so just being able to understand how your mindset plays into that and how you probably are carrying a money uh, money story since, you know, as, as little as like your earliest childhood memory. We all carry money stories and most of us aren't even aware we're carrying them to hold us back in our business. So money mindset is huge for business owners. I say it's 80% behavior, 20% skill set. That 20% skill set is extremely important, but you need to tackle those money mindset issues that you have in order to get to the 20% skill set. And I created a five-step cash confident framework and money mindset is so important that it's step number one. And, and how do you enter into that conversation? Do you have prompts? Do you ask clients to sort of reflect on what these initial relationships they had with money in their childhood or how all of these perspectives have been built over time? How do you, it's a complicated thing. How do you deconstruct our, your relationship yeah. with money in that Yeah, that's such a good question. And typically when I work with clients one-on-one, you know, like that's one of the first things we'll talk about. But as we work together, because it's a structured relationship that continues, when I see money mindset issues, I will challenge them and I will get them to recognize them, right? Through questioning them and stuff. And it's not uncommon for tears to happen in my office or my, my Zoom room. And I don't say that, you know, as something to be shameful about. It's just that a lot of women and, and men, they start realizing the stories that are coming up for them because money, as you mentioned right at the beginning, Kayla, it's so emotional, for so many people. And we just have to learn that money is a tool and we need to separate our emotions from that, that money, right? So many people think that their bank account is related to their self-worth and that's just simply not the case. Mm. Oh, that, yeah, that definitely hits that. That's, and it especially throw a pandemic in there, throw, you know, moments where, um, you know, cash flow and, and just, 
talking about money is so exacerbated. All the feelings around it and the uncertainty around money and what that causes in your life. Like it's, um, it's a powerful tool for good and to propel you forward. But also if you don't have that confidence um, or not even confidence, but if that feels shaky and if that um, relationship is, is on tough ground, like it, it causes so many ripples into every part of your life, right? Exactly. And, and, and we life. talked earlier about how the journey of entrepreneurship is so, it's like a roller coaster ride, right? So throw in the uncertainty of like cash flow coming in and, and the strain on cash right at the beginning of starting your, your business and the challenges that you're going to face, it just multiplies the, the emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And Chris, with you and, and the clients and, and sort of community that you've worked in, how would you describe women's relationships and mindsets towards money? What do you see from your perspective? It's, it's funny. In all my experience with the bank, I, I would always have these open discussions with clients along the way, whether it was on the personal or the, or the small business side. And uh, I used to make a joke and say, like, I want us to get to the point in our relationship where where you see my number pop up on the phone that you don't cringe, like, you, you know, mm. and it, because how many of us are guilty of that? How many forget entrepreneurs, you know, professionals, it, it doesn't really matter how many of us and that's your money mindset, right? How many of us see the bank calling on the phone and go, Oh, I'm going to let that go to voicemail, right? Like, so my goal was always, I really want to get to a point where you see my number pop up on the phone and go, oh, great. It's Chris from the bank, right? Like, so, and that is a shift in the money mindset because, you know, a lot of us automatically assume that having those financial discussions, whether we're talking about a bank account, a business loan, a, you know, a business plan, our our wealth, uh, whatever it is, have to be tough, difficult, stressful conversations. And they don't have to be. They don't have to be. And so I, I think that my biggest advice to, to any entrepreneur would be start with honesty. And that honesty, not just about your actual financials. Obviously, you're going to bring paperwork. It's there numbers don't lie. Like there it is. Like there's, it's there. Right. But I mean, honesty in what, you know, how you feel about it, what questions you have, because the more open that relationship is, whether it's with your banker, your lawyer, your CPA, your business coach, or what, whoever it is, the more honest you are, the more you're going to be able, like Melissa was saying, dig down into that money mindset to those past, maybe let's call them traumas of, of whatever money traumas you have held with you. The more open and honest you are about that, the more you can put that on, on the table and deal with it and move past it. Right? So if you're honest about coming in, speaking with your business advisor and saying, I need to know more about this. And it makes me really uncomfortable. That's okay. Because guess what? Whatever you're an expert at, whether it's that you sell a product, a service, or if you're, uh, you know, you own a large farm operation, guess what? I'm not an expert at farming. I am not. So great. Let's learn together. I'm going to, you know, make you better at understanding your financials, your business plan, that your succession plan, whatever that may look like. And maybe you can teach me a thing or two about your business and what you do, because I, I don't, I don't know about that. So I I think just being open and honest about what you know and what you don't know 
is really an important step to money mindset. Because if someone doesn't share that this makes me uncomfortable, then I'm calling you thinking, I bet you they can't wait to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a delight. Why would they not want to hear from me? Right? So so just, just changing that so that like, you know, they just changed the feeling. Now, I will also say that one of the best pieces of advice I would give when I was coaching to advisors in in the bank was make sure you're not always calling with an uncomfortable conversation. Mm. So don't just call your customers when I need something or you got to sign something or something's delayed or there's a missed payment or don't just make those the phone calls. Call to see how they're doing. Call when you see they've had, you know, a grand opening, a, you know, a new product launch, a new, whatever it might be. But call just to say, I saw this great job. Call to say, someone asked me if I knew someone who did this and I referred them to you. I just wanted you to know. So call with those good news stories. That helps change money mindset too, right? Because all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, that wasn't a bad call. Okay, I'm going to answer the phone next time. <laughs> I love that. That's such a great, like, I would take that even further and just how we, and and talking specifically about women entrepreneurs here, but like celebrating money wins and making that a bigger conversation, right? Like we, you know, there's so much potential shame or, you know, don't talk about landing big deals or bringing in extra revenue or et cetera, because there's this, you know, I don't want to take up space maybe in that conversation or in that way. Like, enough of that. Like, let's throw that out the window and take up that space and and help enable each other to then rise higher together, right? That information is really powerful. If we share that across the board, pay transparency, blah, 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 all those different elements has that same kind of spirit. But that's a great point, Chris. I love that comment. I think one thing I'll add to that, Kayla, too, is that share the big dreams. So I find a lot of the time in speaking with entrepreneurs as, you know, when I was a business advisor and even just in, in my network is that I think sometimes Melissa mentioned this, they've got that money mindset to hold back. Like in their head, they're like, I know that eventually I want this, whatever that is, their big dream. Right. But they're like, well, I would just like to, you know, pay all my bills, pay all my bills. I know that's not what's here. I know that's not what's in your head. That's not what's in your heart. That's not when you started this business, you didn't go, you know what? I'm going to start this business and I'm going to pay all my bills. (laughs) That's not not what happened. Right. You went, I'm going to start this business and here's what I'm going to pay off my home. I'm going to travel. I'm going to, I'm going to pass it down to my children. I'm going to, so whatever it was that you were super passionate about when you started, share that. And maybe we can't help make that happen next month, but we can definitely start some baby steps knowing that information, right? We want to be walking with you in the right direction. Yeah, I love that. I, I want, we want to be walking in the right direction. Yeah, if you're walking in two different, de- to two different destinations, you're never going to meet at the finish line. That's it. That's, that's a great framework, Chris. And Melissa, in, in that framing, like you've talked about this sort of five-step framework as well, money mindset being that first, that first element, how do you then get through the rest of that framework, bringing what Chris has just mentioned in this, this aspirational vision for what you want this business to bring? But still this month, I still need to pay my mortgage and I still need to support my kids. Like, how do you balance those two priority elements 
um, and understand the phasing of how that business growth can be supported through through these different resources and and uh, and supports. How does that journey and that continuum look? Yeah, I, I'm so grateful that you asked this question because I love to show business owners how it's possible to reach these goals, right? The first step is commit to that goal and then you work through. So you do the, you understand the financial reports. You create that business financial plan that's looking at where you are currently and where you want to go in 12 months five years, 10 years, have those projections. But in the first 12 months, you're going to plan out what you can reasonably achieve, aim high, but still reasonably achieve. And then you monitor your progress against that plan you've made. And then in the process, you learn how to manage your cash so that you have the cash to pay the bills because the bank balance is not what profit is. They're, they're completely separate, right? So you want to make sure that you're not spending the cash unnecessarily and draining your cash resources in your bank balance when you've got bills that are coming due that you're not thinking about. So having that cash plan is important and it's just as important as ensuring that your business is profitable. And so many business owners um, are doing themselves an injustice by not looking at the pricing of their offers and they don't know if they're, they're making a profit on what they're selling. So having that in, in that business financial plan is so important. And it's like my most favorite thing to work with with people because we show you where you are and how you make your business profitable. Because without profit, your business will cease to exist. And I want to make one more important thing clear because so many business owners are not doing this is you have to pay yourself first before you count that as profit, right? Many business owners get confused and they pay themselves with the profit that's left in the business at the end of the month. And that is not a financially sustainable way to live. You need to budget for your salary and then have that profit where you can either reinvest into your business to grow your business or use it for other things. I love that you've brought that up, Melissa, because we get asked this question often in Okay, I'm a first-time founder. I am starting this business. Do I pay myself? One, <laughs> do I even go down that path? Or am I putting everything into the business? Then two, how much? At what cadence? With what fun? You know, am I actually looking at it being? I'm taking parts of the profit. I'm looking at it year over year. Like what that what that framework is. And I've actually seen it be fairly divisive. I've heard very various recommendations from entrepreneurs. Um, but from your perspective, I would love to even drill in a little bit more why you recommend um, paying yourself first in this structure, first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why it's so divisive is that there's a book out there called Profit First. And <laughs> it's taught to pay yourself with the profit. And I just don't agree with that. And in fact, I'm, I feel so strongly about it. I offer a free course. It's a mini course and it shows step-by-step step how you pay yourself and how you pay yourself first in your business. And it's so important because like we're saying, you know, a lot of business owners are like, I came into business because I want to pay the bills. Well, if you want to pay the bills, you got to make sure that your business is going to make enough money so you can pay the bills right? We want you to pay the bills. That's a given. But we also want you to grow and make profit and build your wealth and have all that great stuff that comes with a profitable business. But if you're not paying yourself in your business right from the beginning, that's a problem. Because a lot of business owners are like, okay, I'm just going to put my offer out there and see how much I sell. But you have to know how much you need to sell to break even. 
that's so important. And then how much you need to sell to hit your financial goals. And there's so much comfort in that structure that like, I, I love the, the term like structure liberates that if, if you know exactly what to meet, you're not aimlessly just sort of trying to yes. knock on doors, trying to, you know, meet some amorphous revenue target that means nothing. Like this information, exactly. it, it liberates you to have the creative thinking to actually find that pathway and those milestones to those goals. Um, and it's, it, it is far less daunting than I think working in all that ambiguity, right? When you're actually yeah. in it, it feels more secure to have to be working towards something concrete. Um, and that's, you can yeah. feel that in, you know, a regular day-to-day job. What are your KPIs yeah. that you're meeting? If you know what you're striving for, yeah. you have that clarity and direction. Um, so that's such a simple tool. That's such an important point, Melissa, um, in, in helping yeah. you forecast, including your own payment plan. Mm. You'll often hear me say, the goal without a plan is just a wish. Mm-hmm. And I really like to say that to, to hammer down that you need that business financial plan to reach your goals because that is the roadmap to your success. Mm. I love that. And that, that's how we approach everything. It's so funny that when we think about finances, it's like, whoa, this is going to be totally complicated. Like it's, it's one step after the other, right? You're climbing a ladder. You're learning along the way. You're building blocks. Exactly. It's, it's the same philosophy we approach to, you know, you don't run a marathon tomorrow. You have to train up. Like, why would we approach finance any differently? Exactly. So true. Chris, anything else to add based on your perspective and some of the conversations you've had with founders on this? I would just say, I mean, similar to what Melissa said, we have a saying that we use all the time uh, that what gets measured matters, right? And and like you were saying, I think, yes, does it apply to when we're talking about entrepreneurs? Absolutely. But it applies to everyone. It applies to everyone. And that's in your home life, your work life, your, you know, like if you're paying attention to where you need to be, what you need to do, what you need to do today versus what needs to be done by the end of the week. I mean, we, we do it all the time, right? Like you said, we, we, we write our to-do list. Here's what I have to accomplish this week, right? How, how all of us do that in some form, right? We need to accomplish this. You go to the grocery store, you write a list. I need to get these things. So the idea of why don't we do that in our, when we're talking finances, right? I need a, a, it's essentially your grocery list, your to-do list, your here's what I need to do. And here's how do I know I've done it right? Because I checked off all the things on my list. You know, how many of us get to the end of a day where we've, you know, I'm so guilty of this. I start my day at the beginning and I've got my five to do's on my list. And then I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I didn't do any of those things. And I might have done 27 other things, but if I didn't get to check anything off my list, I'm like, well, today was horrible. Today was horrible. I was not productive at all right? Because that's not what I was measuring. I wasn't measuring those 27 things I got done. I was measuring my ability to get these five things done. And because I didn't, I don't feel successful. So if you're going into your business without that roadmap, without that plan that Melissa's talking about, to me, how are you going to feel successful? Doesn't matter how much you get done. You didn't check anything off your list right? So you're just going to get to the end of that, whatever it is, that month, that quarter, that whatever, however you're measuring yourself, you're going to get to that, that spot and go, I didn't do anything. I love the nuance of, of what you, you just said of how are you going to feel successful versus be successful, right? Because every single one of us is going to have a different to-do list. We're going to have different groceries. We're going to have different financials. Yes. And that I think is such an important part of this conversation as well. 
in not clouding what you think, you know, a massive VC venture, you know, funded entity that is not actually the business of your dreams. Maybe you want a different type of model. You want particular types of investors. You want to, you know, bootstrap, you want whatever that, that pathway looks like. There's, there's space for so many of those things. Yes. We don't want to tell women and create this, this narrative that women can't build massive businesses because sure that can. has been challenging. If that's what you want. If that's what you want, go for it. But the, the, the interest in, in, like being very honest and accountable to what you are measuring success being, that's such an essential fabric of, of what you're saying, Melissa, in this framework. Like, how do you get to the root of what you actually want? And maybe that's a bit bigger philosophical conversation of like, who are you? What do you want to do in this big world? That's um, another that's podcast. Hard. That's a whole yeah. other podcast. Who are you? But that's that that requires some courage and some like radical honesty as well with yourself, right? Like how do you uncover what it is you truly want to bring to life? So we've talked about the money mindsets, about all the different perspectives that people bring into their relationship with money, some of the tools you've mentioned already, Melissa, around how to pay yourself. I love that. Um, what are the other elements of your framework or how you walk your clients through um, all the different stages of, of their money management? Bring us into that process. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because as I was saying, you know, your money mindset is about 80% of the formula, but the 20% is still just as important. So first step of the cash confident framework being money mindset and getting, you know, in tune to your money stories. Second step is to know your financial reports. That's really important that you get looking at your financial reports and you understand if your business is profitable or not. And then the third step is creating that business financial plan. This is where so much magic happens, where you're looking at your pricing structures and you're looking at where you are currently in your business and what your net profit margins are. And you're comparing them to the benchmark of your industries and making sure you're competitive. And it sounds like a lot, but it really isn't once you start looking at the template and you just work through, through the framework. And then the fourth step is to ensure that once you have that business financial plan created, it's really not going to be helpful if you're not monitoring your progress against it, right? So you make sure that you go in every month and you're looking at your financial reports, you're running your reports, you're looking at what you accomplished versus what you had planned for the, the previous month. And you're measuring your data and you're understanding that your emotions don't get involved in this. You're always looking at your data as a business owner and it's just data like, you know, Chris had said earlier, numbers don't lie. And that data is coming in to help you. So you understand what's going well in your business and what's what needs to be adjusted. And then the fifth step is the cash planning to ensure that you've got the cash to stay in business for the long term because cash is the main reason why businesses fail is when they run out of cash. And in that process, Melissa, I, we often get asked, you know, the amount of time <laughs> this should require or the amount that um, that is is supporting the foundation versus the maintenance. Do you have any recommendations on like how much time and energy are you spending in those? I mean, maybe the money mindset is a lifelong <laughs> process. Yeah. But, money mindset will always yeah. be continuing. It's a muscle that needs to be exercised regularly and you need to check in on it. But that's such a good question because I don't teach people how to be accountants or bookkeepers. What I'm teaching you is the high level stuff that you need to know at the CEO level. So it helps you make those profitable decisions on a daily basis. So maybe at the beginning, it's going to take more of a time investment. But once you get into the habit and you start having monthly or weekly money dates with your business, 
this information comes to you so quickly and naturally that you're going to be excited to start looking at your, your financial reports because, you know, you're going to be like, look how well I'm doing because I have that financial control over my business. I have my business financial literacy skills in place and I know how to make profit in my business. So it's exciting to look at your numbers. Mm, I love that. Have a money date with your business. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Pop in a calendar, take it out to dinner. <laughs> Do yeah, yeah, exactly. Make it a fun thing. I love that. Well, I, and I think that's such an important part of it. We have to make this fun and celebratory and interesting and not just rooted in fear of, oh, exactly. open the financials. And, you know, every time you open your online banking, it's like, how much did I spend? How much, you know, and all the, the guilt that comes with, with that. Um, we've got to Exactly. That and it doesn't have to be like that because when, I, you know, it's funny because ha- I'll just tell you a quick story where I had met, where I had worked with this woman who was spending like $2 million a year on Facebook ads. And her thing was, she was afraid to meet with me because she was going to tell me that I was going to tell her, she thought I was going to tell her to cut them. Right. And I'm like, why would I do that when your $2 million of ad spend is generating $7 million of revenue? And it just changed her attitude completely. She's like, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. Right. And how much so better it's a good did thing to spend feel? that money. Exactly. And then she feels even yeah. more validated that, wow, I'm an incredible Facebook, you know, marketer. <laughs> like that's a really exactly thing for me. Yeah. That's so important. Chris, with, with your recommendations to founders, like how often do you recommend them both building in their dates with their financials, but talking to a financial advisor, leveraging those resources. It's not just when those, you know, doom and gloom moments of something unexpected or a negative comes their way. How, how do you recommend they continue those, those relationships and the cadence of, of those conversations? Absolutely. So it, you make a good point. The first recommendation I would make, and we spoke about it earlier, is don't just wait for when it's a panic. Don't, don't, as much as I say to advisors, don't only call with bad news. But I would say to clients, don't only call with, I need your help yesterday. Like, so me, you know, have a regular money date with your small business advisor, right? So I would suggest that at least twice a year, at least every six months, that's at the very minimum. Now, it depends on your business. It depends what stage of your business, right? There are different times. There are different seasons in your business that maybe you need your your small business advisor to be a little more engaged and involved in what you're doing. Maybe not. Maybe there are some times where you're just status quo for a little bit. You've got a plan. It's in place. It's operating correctly. So maybe you don't need to meet as often. So so you you really have to be in tune with what's working for you. But what I would say is never make it dependent on needing something. Like let's meet every quarter or every six months regardless. Even if it's just to update, here's where I am, here's what my goals still are, or here are my new goals. Where am I? Am I on track? Am I, you know, is everything going smoothly? The other thing I will say is, is that obviously if there's a major event, and by major event, I don't always mean, you know, there's there's a catastrophe or you've bought a new business or it doesn't have to be that. It could be that maybe you've got a new plan. Maybe there's a new goal. Maybe there's, you know, um, you know, a new purchase you need to make. Maybe it, it could be changes like that, right? So 
it's really important. A lot of times I find entrepreneurs don't think of having a new goal as something as an event, but it is because like I said, we want to be walking on the path to your goal with you. So if you've changed your goal and we're still going this way (laughs) and now you're going that way, like, you know, that's where there's going to be the disconnect because we're thinking, look at us, we're doing great. We're on our way to your goal. And you go, well, no, my goal's over here. And this whole time we were going the wrong way, right? So just, I would just say is make sure you have that contact on a regular basis to have those updates. The other thing that's great about having those touch points and having that open relationship is that it really develops that network, right? So your advisor is part of your network. And so when you're having those touch points, just simple, you know, saying something simple like, oh, we just expanded into this industry or this segment or this... And all of a sudden that advisor is like, oh my God, you know who you need to meet? I can introduce you to, and all of a sudden your network has just evolved, right? But if you never have that conversation, if you don't have those touch points, if you don't have those, those open conversations about goals, how would your advisor be able to help you if they're, if they're not aware of what's happening in your every day? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's super important to keep that relationship going. And then I would just say, there's nothing wrong with having the relationship where you can send off an email to your advisor to just say like, it's nothing major. I don't need to come in and have an hour long conversation. However, wanted to let you know, here's a change or here's a pivot or here's an idea or, you know, here's an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really do, I, I call it a relationship and I think it should be that. It always, um, we were talking about the grimace when someone, you know, sees a bank, not necessarily my bank, but any bank calling on the phone. And, and I really do, I grimace like that mm-hmm. when I hear of someone who says, oh, I don't know what my advisor's name is. I forget. Mm-hmm. I forget who it was that opened my account. So wrapping up uh, this conversation, what are other recommendations or final thoughts on how we can support women founders to keep more of the money that they make and really gain that confidence with cash, with that bottom line? Uh, what recommendations do you both have for, for that? Chris, let's kick it off with you. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear Melissa's answer. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> No, no, you know what? I mean, I think we've discussed it and and I, I hate to repeat myself, but I think that it, it needs to be said that I think that really what it takes to just keep more of that cash, in my opinion, is building your team so that you are surrounded by success um, and you know what success looks like to you. So I think that in order to be successful, you need to define success for yourself as an entrepreneur. As a as a human being, you need to define success for yourself, um, so that you have you know a goal point, and I think that you need to be able to pivot and adjust that goal point at any point. And I think that it's important when we're talking about keeping money in your pocket, is to know what's happening. And I mean in your business, 
know what's happening, know what's happening with your accounts, know what's happening with your profits, know what's happening, know what fees you're paying, know what, you know, I, I, it always boggles my mind if I hear an entrepreneur say like, oh, I have no idea what my, what my bank fees are. Mm. But what do you mean? What if they're taking all your money? <laughs> like, not that that's not what banks are doing, but if you, but if you don't know, they could yeah. be, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and, and banks are never doing that intentionally, especially, I mean, at Scotia, uh, the products we have are phenomenal, but what if you're in the wrong product? Cause you haven't had that conversation with an advisor. So what if what you selected when you opened your business, let's say five years ago, you selected something that was right for you then right? But maybe it's not right for what you're doing now or how you're doing it. And so it's just a perfect example of having those open conversations to put more money back in your pocket to make sure your products are always working for you. Mm, I love that. And, and it's, it's an ongoing conversation with yourself. Like that is such a great, um, you know, the, all of these money day conversations, like you're allowed to be changing your mind around what success looks like. And, you know, life changes. Like it's, it's not a perfect linear path in entrepreneurship. 100%. We can promise you that. Um, so being comfortable with that, that ebb and flow, like that's going to support your journey as a founder. If you're not wedded to one concrete laid in stone, you know, finite, uh, end point, um, mm -hmm. you're going to be much more comfortable navigating through things like, you know, a little global pandemic or economic yeah. recession or, you know, all these fun things that we're navigating through these last couple of years. <laughs> yes. That's great. Melissa, what are your uh, other recommendations of how founders can keep more money that they make in their pockets? Yeah. So in my book, Cash Confident, I talk about having a money advisory board, not necessarily for your business, but for yourself, you know, follow those finance professionals that you know, like, and trust. Uh, there's plenty of podcasts to listen to. There's a ton of resources out there that you can access, but also bring in, you know, your business um, bank advisor and your CPA and your bookkeeper and your colleagues and have those conversations about money. The more you start talking about money, the less fearful you become of it. And through getting through that fear is the action part, right? Which is why it's so important to look at that 20% skill set and take action on it. Because as you action these steps, your financial confidence will increase and you will pretty much be unstoppable because the finances in your business are the backbone of your business. So you want to make sure that you know them so that you can just blow your business up in a good way. <laughs> in a great way. <laughs> and Melissa, do you have any uh, recommendations of other, you know, money leaders, yourself included, of course, uh, but where could we find um, some of these, you know, subject matter experts or people that are, are laying some really great suggestions on LinkedIn, um, in books, podcasts, where do we find these people? Okay, yes. Yeah, so um, I know in Canada as well, a really great podcast to listen to is the Finance Cafe. Um, they are two women out in Alberta who offer um, CFO services and have a really great podcast. Amazing. That's um, it's Shannon Preston, I think, right? We, I think we've uh, had her through Startup Canada programming in the past. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Shauna Fredrickson. Yes, and Shauna. Yes. yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon. So that's Shannon Preston and Shauna Frederick. Every week they dive into a conversation around business, finance with lots of diverse women entrepreneurs, and they bring in experts that support them as well. So Finance Cafe podcast. That's a great recommendation. 
Awesome. Chris, do you have any other resources that you would like to share? You know, we've talked at length around fabulous Scotiabank Women Initiative resources. So obvious, clear call to action to our listeners to check it out. Uh, but are there any other resources you want to point to, Chris? Uh, I would say, uh, I, again, definitely, you know, I could talk about the Scotiabank Women Initiative and all we have to offer on and on and on. But I would say that my biggest recommendation would be is to talk to other entrepreneurs. Build those networks, whether it's on, you know, a larger scale with things like the Scotiabank Women Initiative, but also, you know, go local and get out there, whether it's your, your the local business network, the local market, if you're selling products or whatever it is, but speak to other entrepreneurs. That would be my really strong recommendation because we're all experts at something. So I think we all have so much to share and I think that one of the biggest offerings a community brings is you you have a network right there at your fingertips and, and you could have so much expertise. And I don't know how many times I've been part of a conversation where someone has said, oh, I know someone who's great. I know someone who doesn't. I know a great lawyer. I know a great bookkeeper. I know a great business coach. I know a great CPA. I know. And so just talk to other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. That's such a great uh, sort of note to, to end on there, Chris. And I think that's the beauty of the Canadian entrepreneurship ecosystem at large. Um, you know, there's always been a how can I open a door for you type of sentiment in every room in entrepreneurship that I enter in. And that's a lot of different rooms in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, and, and that spirit of just helping each other, right? You might feel insecure about asking what you think is a silly question. Promise you, it's probably come across the mind of the person you're asking if they're also an entrepreneur. Yes. Um, and yes. that's that's you know humbling and helpful just to know that you know you might be really nervous about something and someone else is also nervous about something. And the the closer we can find community and recognize and hold space for each other's you know journeys here, that makes it all so much easier when you don't feel alone. Absolutely agreed. So Chris and Melissa, thank you so much for joining us on the Startup Women podcast. Um, and special thank you, uh, you know, to Chris and your entire team at Scotiabank and through the Scotiabank Women Initiative. We are so, so grateful for your support here at Startup Canada uh, and for everything that you do for founders across the country. So thank you both. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you, Kayla, for, for having us. It's, I, I think it's just so wonderful, everything that, that you do and that your team does. And, and your team has been an absolute pleasure to work with over the last few years. And, and uh, it, it just, I, I love seeing the impact that we're all able to make together. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Melissa. Have a great day, everybody. You too. Thank you so much for joining us on the Startup Women podcast, where we are committed to telling the stories of women entrepreneurs and uncovering actionable advice that goes beyond the surface level. The Startup Women podcast is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles. Visit startupcan.ca to explore the Startup Women flagship program and access advisory support and free resources. Be sure to check out the show notes to access important links, resources, and information that we mentioned during today's episode. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to another episode next month.